You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you listened last Thursday, you know we're talking with offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. We're going to play part two of our interview with Coach Callahan today on the Locked On Bengals podcast. And if you missed any of our bi-week content, this is the time to go check it out before we get into the swing of things for the Bengals trip to Vegas. We talked to head coach Zach Taylor last week. We have part one with Brian Callahan last week. We have our midseason review with Joe Goodberry last week. And of course, we have the film review episode from the Browns game early last week if you'd like to go relive any of that and learn what some of the lessons are, some of the takeaways are from that Browns loss so we can figure out where the Bengals will adapt going forward. And we talk about some of that with Brian Callahan in part two. We're going to talk about protection. We're going to talk about scheme. And without further ado, let's get into our first question of part two of our talk with Brian Callahan. Speaking of protection, uh, it's something that we've talked about in Cincinnati for years and years, the offensive line. Uh, Brian, through nine weeks, are they where you hope they would be as a group? Are they a little behind, a little ahead? And I know that's a, a general question, but what's your overall feeling about this group as a whole? I've been pleased with what they've done. Um, a, a lot of these, it's, it's weird because we, we don't give up a lot of pressure. Um, part of that's by design uh, as far as, as getting the ball out of our hand and making sure the quarterback uh, can control the rush with his, with his timing. Um, I think our tackles have played well. Uh, they've done a nice job against uh, against some good rushers. We've helped them where we could help them with chips and things like that. Um, but then uh, the weird one is that we, we don't give up a ton of pressure, but we have a ton of sacks. Um, and part of that is the, the style of the quarterback. You know, he he's going to extend some plays and he's going to be a little bit riskier uh, holding on to the ball when he feels like he can make a play and taking some sacks there. Uh, and we've given up some really, you know, poor protection sacks as far as uh, the tight ends and running backs and, and their involvement in the protection scheme. So when you, when you talk about the protection, it's a kind of a holistic picture is guys got to get open. Uh, you know, the, the, the sixth or seventh protectors got to protect their responsibilities. Well, which we've been uh, inconsistent with, and then the guys up front got to block the guys in front of them. And for that part, I think they've done a, a, a good job and I've been happy with, with what they've done. I think Quentin Spain's been excellent in protection. Um, I think Jonah's had a, a really solid year especially, you know, he gave it the one sack to Miles Garrett, but, you know, that was, he got caught in a one-on-one spot and, and Miles got him on that one. And that happens with tackles in, in the NFL. Uh, Riley's been a really steadying presence for us. Uh, he's been a, t- he's a tough, hard-nosed, uh, right tackle mentality. He's helped us. Um, and so I, I would say I'm, I'm pleased with, with that aspect of what we've done. I think we've been productive in the run game. We haven't been, um, we haven't been explosive or, you know, in a spot where we're just pounding people. That's not who we are. That's not how we're built. Um, but I think we've been we've done a good job. I think the offensive line has played well. Talk about right guard a little bit where there seems to be a bit of a position battle brewing and Jackson Carmen, your second round rookie, looks like he's dealing with a bit of an injury. He, he had the mm-hmm. back surgery, of course, in January. It looked like he aggravated that a little bit when he left the game a couple weeks ago. And now the word is Hakeem Adeniji is going to get that opportunity coming out of the buy at right guard what led to that decision and how does that sort of conversation happen in the middle of the season 
Um, you look at the the play. You know, I think I think Jackson struggled uh, some against the Jets. You know, very up and down. He he's been up and down like all young players. You you expect some lumps and some bumps and uh, some inconsistencies in performance. Um, and he's and he's done that. I mean, he's had some really good looking reps, and he's had some reps that that don't look great. Um, and so they just they battle through it, and you do your best to keep keep working those things. And you know, to have Akeem come back ready, uh, he came back a lot sooner than we would have thought. Uh, initially from from his pec tear in, in, in the spring. Um, and he was a guy we had really high hopes for as the season started. And we were hoping that that he could ascend into that type of role. And so as he's practiced the last two weeks, we felt good about where he was and, and felt like it was the right time to see if we could settle down that right guard spot a little bit. Um, and, and he played okay. There wasn't, it wasn't perfect for Akeem, but he earned the right to, to play another game and see how it goes. That's obviously been the spot that we've had to try to get the more, more consistency from. Really, everywhere else on the line has, has been pretty solid uh, through the course of the year. I know Trey Hopkins has had his, his lumps as he's trying to come back off his knee surgery too. But, um, you know, the better we can be at that spot, the better our offense is going to be. And, and it's not to say that Jackson won't ever be there again at this point this year. I mean, he's, he's certainly someone we're going to count on. Uh, and he's got a lot of talent. It's just sometimes it takes it's it's helpful to, for them to take a step back, uh, take a breather, and, and refocus and, and watch somebody else play for for a game or two or three. Um, and that's part of the development. You know, he's a guy that was going to be here for a long time that we feel good about. Uh, but sometimes you just ups and downs. You try to settle at some and give him a break when they need a break. How tough is it to juggle with with Trey Hopkins? The fact that he suffered the knee injury in January, probably. And you didn't know by in May, June, if he was going to be ready to go for week one. And maybe you get him back after the bye or after five or six weeks. And instead, he's made every start. How do you balance that? Because that's amazing with the, the uneven play where he is working himself back and, and obviously isn't the Trey Hopkins we saw last year before the injury. Yeah, I mean, really, it's a, the impressive part is how quickly he did come back and was ready to, to play and help us. Uh, and that's, it's super impressive uh, what he what he did and how quickly he came back from it. Um, and, and, you know, it really takes when you look at the holistic picture of a knee injury, it probably takes a good almost two years to feel like you're back to where you were prior to the injury. Um, and that, that's 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 the reality of it. And I think that, that he, Trey's working through it. And then, you know, your, your, your knee feels better kind of every week that goes along. It's the same thing with Burrow every, every week that goes by you feel a little bit stronger and a little bit better and, and you still get the, the soreness and all the things that come along with, with coming back from an injury uh, and playing NFL football, which is, you know, it's hard enough to come back just as a normal person uh, to feel good with your, with where your knees at. But, um, you know, we've done our best to try to help him, you know, get to the point where he feels good. We rest him uh, during the week, as you can see, you know, Wednesdays, he takes some time Thursday, he takes some time. We don't grind him out during the week, try to keep him fresh and ready for the game. And he's, he's really played better as the year has gone along. Um, and we played some good interior fronts too, which also, you know, makes life a little harder for those guys. We played some good interior defensive linemen. Um, and so that, that sometimes those, those battles get lost, uh, but I think Trey's done a good job and he's really, he's so steady in force because of his mental presence. Uh, he gets everything lined up the way it's supposed to get lined up. Uh, you know, there's, there's a, a lot that goes into that with the protections uh, between Joe and him. Um, so they're, they're, they're always on the same page and Joe's very comfortable with Trey uh, with the, with getting everything lined up the way he sees it. So, that part matters too. Uh, and he's done a good job with that. So, you know, you just, you, you balance it, you know, if it's, if he'd be struggling, he's struggling and, and you, you fight through it. And, you know, there's, 
it's just kind of how it goes. And, and you hope that as the weeks go by, he feels better. And, and now he's as we're approaching the second half of the season that he's, you know, feeling better each week and, and ready to really play his best football as the year uh, comes to the close for better lack of tournaments. You know, we got eight weeks. So hopefully we see the best of Trey here down the stretch. We've talked a little bit about protection and taking sacks and all these things. One big thing that stood out to me when I looked at the data about this is early in the season, 40% of Joe Burrow's pressures turned into sacks in the first two weeks of the season. And since then, it's a much more league average or even better than league average uh, metric as far as pressures to sacks. Against Baltimore in particular, this was a game that I think a lot of fans had circled because of the issues that Joe and the protection had with processing what Don Wake Martindale was throwing at them. Coming into that game, we saw a lot of split back, split back protection in the shotgun where you had a tight end and a running back back there helping and, and maybe simplifying the protection reads. I would say that you've kind of been, you talk a lot about multiple fronts on defense. You guys have kind of gone multiple in terms of the way you've approached protection this year based on your opponent. Is that something that has been, I assume, deliberate and, and planned for the opposition? Yeah, uh, no question, because Baltimore presents so many problems because of their personnel, you know, where they line them up and how they line them up for you. And if you're in a six-man protection, uh, even though a lot of their pressures really are simulated, uh, there's they, they only bring four a lot of the time, which is, you know, probably what, that's what I mean by that when I say simulated, is that they, they present these looks where there's six, seven, eight guys at the line of scrimmage. They only end up bringing four, but you don't know which four it's going to be. They drop out linemen, they drop out safeties. It, it's just, it, it's a very stressful week to get ready for the, for the Ravens. I've said it before, but I think Wink does an unbelievable job uh, with that defense and what they have there. And for us, we wanted to make it as simple as we possibly could uh, for Joe and for our guys up front. And so some of that two-back protection is, is part of where that comes from. It says, we felt like we could win on the outside. And we had with, with T and TB and Jamar, we felt like we matched up with them as good as we've matched up with them since we've been here. Um, it's a good secondary. They, they're aggressive in coverage, but we felt like we could win one-on-one -on -one outside. And so we felt like keeping seven in protection was going to be more beneficial to us. As long as we can keep the quarterback upright uh, and keep any kind of free blitzers off of them. You know, we had some issues with that the first time that Joe played against Baltimore. Um, if we could keep the free runners to, to a very, very minimum, and try to get everybody accounted for that we could win outside. And as long as he had a pocket to throw from, uh, we felt really good about our chances of executing against some of those pressures. So uh, the plan worked out great. They don't always work out as good as they did in that game. Uh, but we felt like that was that gave us the best chance to, to win that game. If you try to go in in six-man protection against the Ravens, uh, you, you're probably going to have a bad time uh, most games because they just they do such a good job and they bring blitzes, whatever blitz they bring, they have a counter and – they just they make it hard on you. They do. They got a really good scheme. We'll get back to our talk with Brian Callahan in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle together. Direct TV stream brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. You can watch your favorite sports, movies, and TV all in one place. So no more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. And there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your direct TV stream to bring your TV together. Again, that's direct TV stream. Learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. 
So we've talked a lot about individual players, about protection. We, we touched on this a little bit with the under center and shotgun split. And I don't know how different this is looking around the NFL. When you guys have been under center, you've run the ball more than you've passed the ball. When you've been in shotgun, you've passed the ball more than you've run the ball. And it almost seems like you're kind of dealing in two different offenses there a little bit. You've, you've got your under center offense, your wide zone offense, and you've got your shotgun offense where you're doing a lot of stuff out of empty. You're, you're doing a lot out of, out of 11 personnel. Is it something that is just a work in progress to get all those, the, the window dressing and all the concepts you build off of the, the core concepts in those formations? Uh, for example, we talked about, you know, the increasing use of jet motion and play action and, and screen game from under center. I, I think you've done more of that as the season's gone along. And, you know, something we talked with uh, about with you at some point is, is run pass option. You talked about this a little bit where defenses were making it harder on offenses in the NFL this season, but you guys are at, uh, I think 6.7% run pass option out of 11 personnel and shotgun is what my numbers have and that's in the bottom third of the nfl do you think that you know i think last time we talked you're going to go watch all the chiefs run pass option and and see what see what you could take away from that so in terms of building these concepts off of your core your formations your personnel the the wide zone the empty stuff is that something that is is developing over the course of the season yeah i mean we have we have a handful of rpos in every uh, every game plan you know, and that's, that's one of the ways you protect your, your gun run game. Um, and we've not done a ton of them. I think there's, there's a handful of RPOs that we've called that we handed the ball off too. Um, and I don't know how, how, how well those things get picked up or tracked. Um, I would say we're not, we're, we don't major in the RPO world uh, for various reasons, but, you know, we try to do the, do the things that, that protect a gun run game um, with your, you can take some of the pre-snap stuff when you're talking about throwing quick outs and, and bubbles and those types of things. Uh, then you got the, your real actual like force reads where you're talking about you're reading the safety. Um, we don't do a lot of reading of linebackers uh, just based on the scheme, uh, but there's, there's places for that. I'd say we carry probably anywhere from uh, probably five between four and six in every run game plan, you know, actual RPOs that show up. How many of them actually get called over the course of a game? Sometimes it's one, two. Uh, we've had games where we've had four or five that, that get called. It's not something we major in. Uh, it is a part of, of the gun run game. You sort of have to have those elements uh, as part of it. Um, and it is, there is, you look around the league, it's, it's really going to be pretty generally under center. Uh, if you're in the gun enough, like most teams are, under center is going to be your run and play action. Uh, you're always going to be skewed heavier in the run game under center, and you're always going to be, skewed a little bit heavier in the pass game and gun, uh, particularly if you, you know, most of those things probably take out uh, all your third downs and it's all neutral situation stuff. So you get a pretty good feel for, for what you are uh, in the gun. So it's, it's one of those things you work through and, and that's part of what we've done this week in the self scout uh, is find some more ways to uh, protect those numbers. And one of the things I do believe in is that tendencies aren't always bad. You know, there's a, there's a time and a place to break a tendency uh, sometimes you, if you have tendencies, it means you're good at something. Um, and so that's, that's sort of where uh, it falls for me. And you get a chance to find ways uh, on whatever your tendencies are. You've got to find ways to break those tendencies and, and play off of those things. And that's, again, that's part of what this week is for us is a chance to step back and, and take a bigger view of, of where we can do things better, what parts of the scheme we could do more of, uh, where, where things are, are heavier 
uh, statistically skewed for runs and passes and things like that? And, and how do we help? Uh, how do we help those tendencies? And, and where is the right time and place to to break them? So, you know, there's a you're always going to deal with some sort of tendency somewhere uh, in your offense. And you know, when you're talking about throwing, being in the gun, throw the ball, and being spread out to throw the ball, and then you got to be under center to run it. So there's there's a lot of things that go into to building those things and trying to mesh them together uh, effectively. And I think we've done that at at times, and there's probably times where uh, it hasn't been as as uh, meshed efficiently as we would like, and so uh, that's part of the part of the process of, of you know again with a new new run game system with, with Frank and a pass game system that is designed for for the quarterback to be in the gun. Uh, you try to find a way to make it all uh, fit together. So uh, you know without probably giving too much away, that's sort of how how it works and, and where we're where we're headed, and we can do a better job of, of making those things uh, fit better for us and for our, for our players. I know the short yardage issues, struggles, whatever you want to say, have, have been a topic and, and we've asked you about them. And I'm sure uh, it's been frustrating for the coaching staff, the players, et cetera. Uh, when you do that self-scout this week, mm-hmm. are you able to hopefully find the issues and, and fix those? Or is that something where you need a chemodenergy and company to just be better, uh, you know, in short yardage situations, if it's a quarterback sneak, or if it's a, you know, a, a third and one run or, you know, what's, what's the case there? Is it, uh, finding a resolution or is it just the players executing better? If, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's both. It's both. I mean, there's, there's been times where we, we've not moved the line of scrimmage uh, on a third and one and third and two where, uh, you know, and there's a lot of guys in the box and most of the time when that happens and there's, there's, there's people that they end up one-on-one and, and sometimes you just have to win a one-on-one, uh, a one-on-one block up front. Um, that's that's not always as, as easy as you'd like it to be. Those are good players that they got to go up against. Um, and then it's part of that scheme too. How do we help? How do we help our guys do, do better in those situations? Where do we find? Um, how do we put them in one on ones they can win? What position do we put them in uh, where they can execute a, a job that they're capable of executing, and, and not put them in a spot that uh, that puts them at a disadvantage? And so there's we work through these things all every week, really trying to figure out what the best, you know, by, by what we're presented from the defense. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's both. There's, there's an execution part of it. And then there's a schematic part of it that, that both need to be better uh, all the way around because, you know, it's, it's a, it's really frustrating when you, when we know that when we get first downs, we tend to score points and we've just had way too many three and outs uh, in manageable third downs. Like it's, it's one thing to, to go first and 10, um, a run for zero, a second and a second down sack for minus four, and now you're third and fourteen and three and out. That that happens. You hate it, but it happens. The ones that are hard to stomach are when you run it for for six, and or you complete it for two. However, that plays out. Now you're in third and two or third and one, um, and, and you fail at that spot when you're manageable. And that's you know that's what we talk about all the time is is being in these manageable down and distances that allow us uh, a much higher chance to convert uh, than than it would if we were third and eight. And so to not get those ones uh, in some moments that we've needed them has been disappointing. And um, again, it comes down to there's there's an execution part of it and there's a schematic part of it that that all needs to be better, uh, so we can we can go get that first down and, and keep the drive going and go score points because we've, we've proven that we can do that. We'll wrap up part two with offensive coordinator Brian Callahan in just a minute. But if you haven't tried a built bar yet, you're missing out. We talk about them all the time on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. They say it's a protein bar, but we've confused it for a candy bar on numerous occasions. You just have to try one of them to believe it yourself. I've got some coconut brownie chunk coming in the mail. 
That's real chunks of brownie in a protein bar. It's not chalky or waxy or hard to choke down like protein bars you may have tried before. It's soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you'll know you're having something different. They're not only delicious, they're low-carb, low-calorie, low-fat, low-sugar, and high in that protein, so they hit all the healthy benefits on top of being purely delicious in all of their delicious flavors, including coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, coconut almond, salted caramel, double chocolate, and cherry barcia, and keep an eye out for limited-time flavors this month every three to four days. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. This episode of Lockdown Bengals is also brought to you by betonline.ag, the number one spot for all your basketball and football betting needs this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. And as James Rapine loves to say, that's free money. Use our promo code LOCKEDON to get that 50% welcome bonus from basketball, football to NHL action. They've got you covered at betonline.ag. Don't wait to take advantage of all of their amazing offers available for the rest of 2021. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline is where the game starts. Looked like some of your best scripted football on offense against the Browns interception notwithstanding. You guys essentially go down and get down to the one-yard line, two drives in a row, score a touchdown once, could have had a touchdown on the other occasion and hopefully that you know just carries forward as you say you're working on these things throughout the season and and it's interesting you you and coach taylor both mentioned when you guys get the first down you're really good at converting the drive the stats mm-hmm. really bear that out especially and this is probably pretty common but even compared to other nfl teams when you guys get two first downs on a drive better than the rest of the nfl in converting those drives into points so i i get that being a a point of emphasis and i imagine there's some things that you're learning as the year's gone on and they're showing up in games like the first couple drives against cleveland where you're you're finding those ways to to get those drives off to fast starts that's the goal i mean we've had we've had a couple of times this year where, where we haven't started fast you know there's a couple of games that, that come to mind where we've we've gone uh three and out pretty quickly and you know the oh i'm trying to get the one you know we we go um the Jets game was one where we we're, we're, we're third and four and we, we throw a mesh route to TB and, and we end up, a, they, they, we get them all screwed up. We we're on tempo on the ball. It's a, we feel like it's a good design and it's executed well. And we just get tackled an inch short. We got to punt the ball back. And it's like, it's, it's like, we just, when we get first downs, we're good. We, our, our offense plays really well in rhythm. Joe plays well in rhythm. Um, and, and that's part of it. And so when we possess the ball, we, we tend to be able to, to move it at will. Uh, it's just these we've had some roadblocks on, on the three and outs that have, that have hurt us. Um, you know, and that's I think I think our guys are, are playing good football for most of these games. Uh, we feel really good about where they're at. Uh, we feel good about it. So a lot of our opening drives and opening scripts that have that have gone well for us. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that we got a We got a chance to, to be good down the stretch. And I'm, I'm excited about these last eight games. This team, Brian, seems to have stayed composed throughout this this process. Five and two, guys are excited, but you knew that there was a lot that, that needed to happen. You have back-to-back losses. I asked Zach this earlier this week. Why, why are you confident and what are you seeing? Because you're on a Super Bowl 
team. You've seen a lot of winners throughout your years. Uh, why are you confident that, especially the young guys that haven't been on necessarily winning teams in the NFL, are going to be able to lead that push? Because you're banking on a lot of rookies or second-year players mm-hmm. to do so. Um, but why are you confident that they're going to be able to do that over the next eight games? Because I think these, I think these guys have a great mindset uh, with how they approach every day, and, and we talk to them all the time about not not riding the wave of the emotions of a season, you know. Because the you know the same the same people that prop you up when you're five and two and talking about how great you are are the same ones that they're going to rip you down when you lose two straight, um, and that's just how it goes. That's that's part of that's part of the NFL, and the 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 least amount of time that you spend thinking about those types of things, and the more the more time that our guys spend thinking about just how do I get better every time I step out there, uh, every every Wednesday when we go to practice, what do I need to do to get better? Every Thursday, every Friday. Uh, there's a there's a consistency part of it, and that's to me is really important. And I think our our, our guys understand that, uh, and they don't panic and they don't flinch, and they just go to work and they don't complain. They don't they don't do anything other than than try to get better. And we got great leadership, uh, and I think we got guys that have won. And you know, between Joe and Jamar, they've won a ton of games over their careers. Uh, most of them, you know, I don't, Joe hardly ever lost. You know, I mean, it's just kind of how he functions. And so, when your leader is of that of that mentality, it makes it a lot easier. Um, and, and we got guys on defense we brought in from playoff teams, and, and they've been really helpful uh, with with imparting the player side of, of what it takes to get to that spot. And with Mike Hilton and, and DJ Reader, uh, these guys that have played in, on playoff caliber teams and been to the playoffs and won games, um, that 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 means something. That's that's part of the process uh, with a young team when you bring the right veterans in um, to help that. So I just think our guys have a good a good mindset, and, and again, they don't panic. Um, things are, are always focused on what do they got to do to get better. And they're very, very good about uh, hearing the truth and telling the truth. You know, things got to be corrected. They're corrected. They got to, you got to be critical. You're critical. Uh, but it's, it's not, it's all about because we all want to get to a particular place. Uh, and at the end of the year, we want to be able to, to be, be playing a playoff game uh, and, and get a chance to go, to go do that. And so um, all the things that come up, I just think our guys are steady. They're consistent with their, with their, uh, with their approach every week. And it's, it's kind of boring coach speak and cliche, but it, it is the truth. And the best teams that I've been on have all been like that. And so I'm, I'm excited about how they've responded thus far. And, you know, like I said, the, the game got away from us against Cleveland, mainly due to some turnovers. I think we put our defense in a bad spot. And then we had a we had 11 point lead in the fourth quarter against the Jets. Uh, so it's not like I don't feel like we're in a bad place. I just feel like there's 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 things that got to be better. But we got a good team that, that I think can can do a lot of damage as, as the year closes out. It's going to be a fun stretch of games against a bunch of AFC teams and three more divisional games, and that's about all you could ask for. Football will be football, I think, and it's a very week-to-week game in so many ways, quarter-to-quarter game in so many other ways. And looking back, they're all the what-ifs, but I appreciate that you as a coach, all you can do is is work with what's ahead of you and work forward and – we appreciate all the time, all the insight as always, Coach, and look forward to the rest of the year. Sounds good. It's always always fun to jump on with you guys. I'm glad we had a little bit of time to do it. That's Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Until next time, the Bengals back on schedule next week. Hootay, and have a good one.